Well, good morning. <laughs> you all are very, very sweet. Uh, um, I've been out of practice a little bit. And after the first sermon, I'm already starting to lose my voice. Um, but can I just say, it's so good to be back and just to see you all. I really mean that. I just, it's an absolute, uh, absolute delight. And uh, thank you all for praying for me while uh, Angie and I were away. And just what an amazing time. And I just thank you for your prayers. It just, uh, we got to travel a little bit, to spend some time together and just really focus on on some things that normally uh, my schedule had just never let me uh, uh, do. And, and just uh, so I feel refreshed and excited to be back. And it really is kind of fun uh, to be back and uh, see you all. I do feel a little rusty. I came in this, uh, I've been back for a week, but coming in this morning and trying, it's just like, wow, like I really got out of practice. But, but in some ways, like that's a good thing. Like that, you know, like, like God was in that. So thank you all uh, for uh, uh, praying for me. I appreciate that immensely, immensely uh, on there. Well, um, as Josh was saying, we're starting a new series. And, uh, and this morning, uh, just uh, in particular, I, I, there, there's something I, I want to uh, talk about and, and uh, get at here. And uh, it, it deals uh, uh, with giving. And when we think about giving, like sometimes that can be like, ooh, oh, great, you know, that subject kind of a thing. But you know, every week as what happens in uh, churches everywhere in services, right? There's always a moment where we talk about that giving element. And there can be so many motives or thoughts or way of thinking about that in a church when we think about giving. And this morning, I, like I, I want, I would love for you to understand what, what is behind that and, and how we think about giving uh, here at this church. And oftentimes when, like right when the senior pastor begins talking about, you know, like uh, this sort of thing, we think, okay, this is going to be one of those services where it's going to be like, he, he's going to tell us we need to give more and we need, you know, and it, pressure, whatever. That's not this service. That's not this sermon. That's not what this is about. I think, I just think we all carry so many different thoughts and feelings and everything about that. I would love for all of us to just have some clarity about some, some simple things about what we believe at this church that I think will actually have all of us feeling a little bit more at ease. And, and I think some things that will actually help all of us in personal ways as we navigate uh, uh, this here this morning. And so thinking about it, uh, just knowing how much this hits motive and how we think about all of this, uh, I was thinking about something that happened to me years and years ago uh, around Christmas time. Our uh, neighborhood, we were doing a progressive dinner with a number of our neighbors. And, you know, and for those of you who don't know what a progressive dinner is, it's just like when you get together and you have the different stages of the meal at different people's homes. So you kind of progress through. And, but we were going, uh, the last house, we were going to do a white elephant gift exchange. How many of you ever done like a white elephant gift exchange? Okay, yes. All right. I've done a zillion of these. Um, and, and all the ones that I had ever been a part of or knew, like, the gifts, like they were funny gifts. They were like gag gifts. It was about, you know, you'd do exchange and you'd, you know, you'd pawn off the worst gift or the craziest gift or whatever. And so I was all excited about, you know, oh, I'm gonna get to another white elephant gift with my neighbors and had just had one like a week earlier. And I got the craziest gift that kind of, that, that I landed with. It was, uh, 
uh, it was in this nice box and it was, and it had a can of beans that said like Christmas beans. And then next to it, yeah, it had a coffee mug with Santa on it and it, and it was the farting Santa, okay? And I think somehow it was helping power his sleigh or something. And you were like, it was this weird thing. You're supposed to eat the beans and I don't know. It's just, but I remember when I got it, I'm laughing. I was like, oh, the farting Santa. It was kind of took me back to middle school or something. You know what I mean? I just, uh, that's because, you know, that's what you enjoy back in middle school, right? Um, so I was all excited. Well, we're our neighbors. We're going to have this thing. This will be my gift. I will re-gift the farting Santa mug to, to one of my neighbors, you know? So we go through the progressive dinner. We get to the very end and I'm all, like, oh, okay, I can't wait. They're gonna, my, I'm gonna have the craziest, best gift, right? So then, you know, they start opening the gifts and the first gift is, you know, like open up in this, this like hand uh, quilted blanket or something. And she's like, oh yeah, I quilted that. And I thought like, whoever would get that, it'd be wonderful in their home. And the other person's like, oh, this is wonderful. And we know just like, oh, that's pretty lame. It's, you know, a real nice blanket, you know. And then the next one is this, just like this handmade wreath. And it's just in tuck. Oh, I've wanted a Christmas decoration like this. I'm going to hang it on my front door for Christmas. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of weird. But wow, they're all liking that. And then, and they kept opening these really nice like gifts that were meaningful. And my neighbor's just like, oh, I love that. And as they kept doing this, I'm like, I got a problem. <laughs> yeah, because one of my neighbors is gonna be wanting some nice handmade, beautiful thing to hang in his or her home. And they're gonna get the farting Santa mug. And this is not gonna go well. And it just kept going like this. And I remember I was just like, oh my gosh, my gift is not gonna work. This is terrible. And I started feeling really bad about my gift. And I found, I found myself being motivated. I was like, you know, maybe I could find an excuse to slip out and like run across the cul-de-sac and just grab something, you know, maybe Angie made off of one of the walls in our house and just wrap it up and, you know, <laughs> slip it in there. And I kept trying to find a moment and I just wasn't working and I just like, oh no. But my whole motive for like wanting to give a different gift was this thing of like, my gift isn't good enough. My, uh, my gift doesn't fit. I feel bad. You know, I was feeling a little shame for this. And then, you know, they opened my gift and I was right. It was a weird moment. Okay, <laughs> it's just, they were all so nice, but you could tell they were like, oh, and, and then they didn't get it. And I had to explain, well, you know, the beans, you know, you fart and the beans and it's Santa and it's like, it makes the sleigh go fast. And they're all like, oh, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so bad, right? And just found myself in that place where it's just like, uh, you know, what I gave and it's just like, it's just all these, this mixture of feelings and everything. And the reason I tell this story is because kind of what I experienced, right, that night there, I think sometimes in a weird way, when it comes to giving, like in general, maybe especially to churches, we can experience something similar. We, we can have like this mixture of motives and like, and there'd be things where like, you know, giving out of obligation or like, you know, this is what you're supposed to do, or is my gift good enough? Like there can be shame. There can be all of these weird feelings with this. You know, I, should I give more? And, and, and that happens to us. And I don't want that to happen for you. I, I don't want you to be in that place where the act of giving becomes this tumultuous thing that with all of these different things going on inside. Because, you know, the thing that I missed that night that, you know, None of my other neighbors did. Well, except for maybe the neighbor that got the farting Santa mug, right? He may, may not have had the best experience out of all that. But 
there was a kind of joy and something good they experienced in giving that really that night I didn't. I gave a gift, you know, but, but because of what was going on inside of me with motives and trying to figure all of that out, it like that got lost somehow in the sense of obligation or, or you know, wondering is my gift good enough? Something got lost in all of that. And, and like that, that happens, I think, a lot in churches uh, today. I know I've experienced that with giving to God, with giving to churches. And I would imagine some of you have uh, at, at different times. And so this morning I, I do, I, I wanna talk about maybe a way to think about this that would be helpful for you and helpful for all of us. And, and maybe the way I want us to think most about it uh, here at the church, uh, because I think that there's something good out of this and something that I don't want us to miss. That's my hope uh, out of this. And there is a particular passage of scripture that I think describes kind of this way really, really well. In fact, I'd say uh, if there's any passage that we would go to that would describe our heart or our understanding or what we would wanna do around giving as a church, it would be this passage. So like, you know, mark this down. It, it, like this, this is a key passage for us when we think about giving. It's found in 2 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, turn to, turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, nine here. Um, and uh, this was written by Paul. And he's gonna be talking about this subject of uh, giving uh, with the church in Corinth. And he says this, and I'm gonna start with verse seven. Look at verse seven, he says this. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I just like pause it for a second. Like, think about that. Like, that's kind of a, sh like, wow. Like, when it comes to giving, like, he like cheerful and from the heart without compulsion. And I think about my own experiences at times that maybe wouldn't have been described that way, right? And so like, what is this way where we can think about giving or experiencing giving where, where it comes from the heart, where it is not under compulsion, where, where there is something cheerful or joyful in it? And what I find interesting is really the verse before this uses this kind of metaphor or this model for how to think of it. And I think when you understand that model, it leads to this. So let's look at this uh, model just a, a, a little bit here. Look at, go back up to verse six. Look at verse six. Here's the model uh, that he gives. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And it's this really simple agricultural metaphor that he uses here that is a new kind of paradigm for giving, uh, even in scripture to some degree, that, that it is different than kind of the, the basic model or understanding of giving that people would have understood uh, that had followed the Old Testament before this. There's something that is modeled after the heart of Christ and this new life that we have with Christ that now fits this, this uh, understanding of giving and, it, and, and the agricultural side of this becomes actually really important. And most of, of 
Paul's uh, listeners or readers in this would have gotten that because that would have been around them a whole lot more. And I think it gets missed on us a little bit more. There's something deeply organic uh, about this, being a agricultural uh, metaphor. And when you think about this idea of sowing and reaping, right? This is the idea. Uh, maybe another way to think about it is like there's this process of planting and cultivating and harvesting in this. And this morning, I want to speak directly to this idea of planting. What, what is he getting at with planting? Because what he's literally saying here is, I want you, when you think of giving, think of it as planting. Think of it as planting. And that becomes important here. And, there, and there's two simple ways of thinking of planting um, that I think will help you grasp what Paul is getting at here that I wanna uh, point out uh, this morning. So when you think about sowing, I, I want you to think about planting, right? We, we all have that idea. Even if, you're only, even if the closest thing you've ever planted in your life was like maybe in kindergarten or first grade, you know, your, your class did the thing where you, you know, took a Dixie cup and put some dirt in it and planted one seed uh, in there, right? We all have some small uh, understanding uh, of that. So uh, it starts with planting. And there's something with planting that becomes uh, very important here. And to illustrate this, uh, let me share an experience I had that gave me kind of an introduction uh, to to planting and farming way back when in my uh, childhood. So we have some distant relatives that are from Texas and they, uh, they're farmers. And I don't know if they're still in farming or not. I, I, I haven't talked to them very often, but when I was a kid, we did a family vacation and we went over to uh, somewhere in West Texas where they had this huge farm. And I got to hang out on this farm for a little while. And there's something I noticed that I recalled in this as I was uh, thinking about this, you know, uh, and if any of you are a farmer or have done farming, you'll know this, right? Like farmers are connected to their land, right? They, they think about their land and the land in a way that most of us don't. In fact, uh, if you've ever been around a farmer and they talk about their farm, uh, you know, like they know, they know how far their farm stretches in every direction and they know what they've got on that farm and what's on the land. Like they're so connected to it and driving around <clears throat> with my relatives, you know, there'd be moments where, you know, and this was in West Texas where it's pretty flat. Like you actually get to see the edge of the earth, I think somewhere in West Texas. And there'd be like a little silo someplace and they'd be like, you know, on our property, you know, it goes 10 miles past that silo over there. And that little, see that mountain over there? And it's probably like just an anthill, but I see that mountain over there. And that's just, a, we've got, you know, 20, 20 miles past that and all this stuff. And we would drive by like, just a dirt field of like dirt clots. Like, like there was nothing there. And, and this was a season where they were gonna begin uh, doing some planting. And so we were driving around and doing this stuff. And there'd be like this field and just like a dirt clod field. It looked like that's all they grew. Like there were little dirt clods and they watered it and it turned into big dirt clods or something like that. But they never said, yeah, there's a barren field. We'll do something with that. Or there's, you know, dirt clods. They always pictured what would be growing that's how they talked about everything. And if you know a farmer, like you've experienced this, like they drive by, like it's kind of odd. Like you drive by just plain old dirt and they're like, yep, corn, corn. We're gonna have corn like eight feet, nine feet tall over there. And it's just like another, and over here, there's gonna be barley over there. And they're talking about corn and barley and wheat and everything else. And I'm just like, I just see dirt. I just, just dirt. But for them, there's this connection between this, 
right? What you plant and what you harvest, and they don't separate it. And it's interesting in this illustration, when uh, Paul writes this out, he does the same thing, right? Uh, what you sow, you will reap. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you, right, if you sow generously, you reap generously. Like, like the sowing and the reaping, like you can't separate those two things. And it, and it hit me. Like when you understand farming, there's a part of this where, where planting isn't this big separate thing that just happens and there's like no connection to, to what's gonna happen there. They have a vision and a heart, and they talk as if the crops are there before they are there, because they picture it. And when it comes to our, the way we think about giving, picture the harvest, friends. When you think about your giving, picture the harvest. Think like a, like a farmer would think, right? Before you plant, you, like, you have a picture of, of the thing that's gonna happen. And, and this is really important because if we don't have this, it creates a different dynamic. And, and thinking this, I realized I've lived with that dynamic. You know, um, so many churches in our tradition and in our culture, and I'm sure many of you have seen this, right? So many churches have taught on giving in ways uh, that make it so obligatory. They teach on giving in ways uh, that uh, can be harsh or shaming ways that feel manipulative, ways that like always challenge that sense of like, am I right with God or wrong with God? And like, there's this thing about this. And, and I picked that up growing up. Like there, there was a part of me that giving, like it, it was an act unto itself. It was separate from whatever that giving did or would produce because it's just like, I, like I just need to be right with God and make sure I'm giving what I'm supposed to. Uh, to give, and, and in a weird way, it made it like more about me and the worry or the fear that I would have in that. And, and like, I don't believe that anymore. Like that's been a change for me in knowing and living in this relationship with Jesus Christ, that the more I have related with Jesus Christ and faith and trusting him, in a weird way, it's, it's like he has, He's pulled that way of thinking like uh, away from how I think about it now. I, in fact, uh, years and years ago, I remember a moment when it's still deeply wrapped up in that kind of thinking where I was thinking about like my own finances and where, what I was doing and just realized, you know, I, like I didn't give my, my check to the church, you know, this week. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna make sure I do, I do that because there's just like, you know, like, like that's, you know, like a good Christian wouldn't let that lapse in some way. And I started to feel a little guilt or shame. And then I was just like, well, you know, I'm not gonna wait. To, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna mail it in. I remember, and this was in the days before, you know, there was like electronic giving. This was like, you know, you wrote a check or you put like money in the plate is how it worked. And I remember writing a check and going, I'm not gonna wait till next Sunday. I'm gonna mail it in. Cause there was just like this weird feeling that I had about it. And then as I, and it's just like, and it kept with me and I kept thinking about it and, and just, but it, it, it was all about what do I owe God? What does this mean? I, and I need to take this action. And it was just an action unto itself. And I remember uh, I rode a motorcycle uh, back then. And I remember thinking, I'm not even gonna wait for, for it to get to the church in the mail. 
I'm gonna drive it to the church office because I, like, I have this uncomfortable feeling and I just wanna get rid of it. I wanna I want feel okay again, right? It was a little bit like sitting at a white elephant party and knowing that that lousy farting Santa cup is coming. And it's just like, I wanna get past this moment right now. And I literally got on my motorcycle and drove that check to the church and turned it in. And it was like, oh, good, got that done. But you know what it was completely divorced from? Like, like what it was about. Like, I didn't think of it as that, that I had something and I was planting it into my community, that I was, I was taking resources and things that I had and that like there would be beautiful things that could grow up out of that. I, I like, I didn't have that. And I think what Paul is, so like when Paul says, I want you to give from your heart. I want you, not reluctantly, not, not in a compulsive way. Man, I was in a compulsive state. That day I jumped on my motorcycle, racing it down to the church office because it's like the place I lived. And, and I say that because I bet some of you, like, like you've struggled with those moments at, at, at times. And that, that giving, like there's not something cheerful about it. It's just like, I, I wanna be right because like, I don't want that weight on me. But that's not what Paul's getting at here in this moment. Do you see that? And part of the way of stepping away from that is to think like a farmer. Like you're planting something, but you don't just start with what you're planting. You think about what you're gonna grow, like a farmer driving past barren fields and we all go, that's just dirt. No, that's corn, that's barley. That's gonna be wheat. That's like, and they plant to what they envision and what they picture. They plant to the thing that they wanna see grow up. Like there's something beyond just putting something in the dirt that they see, like they see that other beautiful thing. And so when you think about, right, when he says, you know, this idea of sowing and reaping, like they, they go together, like you have to think about what, what you're picturing uh, in that moment. And don't let the disconnect happen. The, the other thing to think about in this that uh, becomes important is how you actually think of that gift uh, that you're going uh, to give uh, in there. And it's, and it's this, it's simply understanding that that gift that you have, like your finances, they are a gift. You know, sometimes you'll hear us talk about that a lot around here, about your gifts. And part of that is because we want, I want you to see that your finances are, they're like a gift, a gift like a seed. And you know, the beautiful thing about a seed is never the seed unto itself, is it? It is the potential that it has. And not just how you give it away uh, um, uh, to your church or to other things. Your finance, it's a seed in your life, right? Like I think about like, there, there, there was finances that I have and had and, and we planted them in our relationship, right? I took Angie on some dates on this sabbatical, right? They, we, I got to have more date nights with, with Angie and there were just moments where it, like, it wasn't about like, okay, we're going to go get food that will nourish our body right now. It's just like, no, like, this is a moment to, I'm gonna take her out to dinner and just this relax and, and I'm not, thinking about all the things that were just like to slow down and to be able to have that moment, what was like the, the gift in it, right? 
went way beyond the dollars that paid for the meal. It was the relationship. It was the things that came out of it. It was the conversation. It's what happened out of that. You have that. You have that in every aspect of your life. And to begin to see the finances that you have are seeds and you're planting them. You you get to plant them with your kids. You get to plant them in your marriage. You get to plant them with your friends. You get to plant them in your life. And yes, you get to plant them in your church and in your spiritual journey and what God is leading you in. Your relationship with Christ, he's like, he's given you seeds in your life and, and you get to use them in that way. And thinking of it in that way changes so much about how you think about how you give and what happens. And, it, and it, it brings something where you can begin to experience it like in a beautiful way, right? Because the beauty of a seed is never just the seed itself. The beauty of a seed is the potential that it has and that you get to plant it towards that thing that you're seeing, right? That's the thing in all of this. Uh, uh, Maybe three years, four years ago on our uh, trip uh, with our high schoolers to Mexico where we uh, build homes, uh, I was on that particular trip. And uh, I'll never forget, there was uh, one young lady on uh, the building crew that I was a part of. And, and you know, uh, she was a, a little apprehensive, not a yeah, great attitude but a little apprehensive, right? She's gonna go down there and, and they do training before this, uh, they go down this trip, they've gotta learn how to swing a hammer and uh, cut a piece of, of wood halfway straight, right? And, just, and now the time comes and you have this group of high schoolers that are now taking their, their school break, right? Their school break to go out in the desert and in the heat and do manual labor, right? That's every high schooler's dream, right? To go out and do that sort of thing, right? And she's a little apprehensive and we get down there and on our way down there, we hit one of the most ferocious storms, I swear, that is, is hit the, the Rocky Point area like in 20 years. I mean, it was, the wind was horrific and terrible. We finally get down there and we're all standing outside and the wind, you know, and there's sand coming up and we're all like turning our back to the wind so the sand doesn't, you know, um, you know get into our eyes. And she's looking at me and she goes, so we're, we're gonna be working in this? Like this, Jesus, <laughs> still just like, oh man. I said, well, you know, if we have to, if the storm's here tomorrow, like this is where we're just like, Okay, you know, just like, okay, I signed up for this and I'll be true to what I signed up for, you know? And there's just a little of that thing. You just feel the disappointment and just thinking about her friends that are gonna be having a good time back in Tucson on their break, doing fun things, not doing manual labor out in the middle of the desert there, right? And, and, and we all get that. We would understand that. But, but what I watched out of that just, there was this kind of shift that took place because we got to uh, our, the house we were working on and we started building that house. And you know, she started working and building on that house. And as you start to do that, all of a sudden, you begin to see what your, you know, the, the fruit of your labor, right? As you begin to work on it, you start to see that house form more and more. And even beyond that, um, the family that we were building this particular house for actually lived in this tiny little bitty uh, trailer. Uh, I think sharing it with another family right near where we were building the house. And so we got to interact with the family that we were building this house for and got to meet their kids. 
And she started thinking about this family because she saw them firsthand and watching this house come about and understanding what was gonna happen, how this family's life was going to be changed to have their first house ever. And that she came there and like her time and energy and she helped pay for this, right? So as a church, we help finance that. We, we pay for all the building materials and everything down there. The parents and the kids then pay more money to get to go on the trip to work in the desert doing manual labor, right? To pay for their food and, you know, and, but at night you get to go home and sleep in a tent on the ground and there's, you know, and, and they're, but, but it's like, they're planting seeds and it's like you are planting seeds in that. And all of a sudden there was this shift that you could just see in her mind as she started experiencing this thing of what was growing up out of the seeds that she was planting and us as a group that were planting in this and how it was gonna bless this family, how the name of Jesus Christ was being lifted up in the most tangible way in this place. And I'll never forget, there was this moment where she had finished whatever project she was working on and she came up to me and you know, she's wiping sweat off of her and she's like, okay, I finished that. What do I get to do next? I'm like, what you get to do next? <laughs> like, like, like you talked about it like a ride on Disneyland. It's like, okay, well, we get to go on the Matterhorn next. That's what we get to do. <laughs> but, and it's because all of a sudden she saw what she was doing was like this, she was planting this beautiful gift into the life of this family. She was planting this beautiful gift into the kingdom of God. Like there was something that was coming out of this. And there was just something simple about understanding her resources, which was mostly time, maybe a little bit of money. It's just being a gift, like a seed that gets planted and understanding and thinking, right? And going back to thinking like a farmer and thinking about that, whatever it is that's gonna grow up out of that. What shifted in her was she wanted to do more, right? And I think about Paul's words. He says, I want you to give from your heart, not reluctantly, not compulsively. She came up to me, she wanted to tackle the next project, not because she was obligated, not, not like the day before, like, okay, I signed up and I'm gonna follow through. It wasn't, she had desire, she had want to, because she felt a connection to the thing that God was doing in the seeds that she was planting. I want you to experience that. That's the thing, that's what Paul's getting at in this moment here. And when we capture that, right, suddenly giving becomes this different thing. It just, it becomes a normal part of our relationship with God and with others. And we see how it connects in all of these different ways. But beyond that, let me close with this. Beyond that, it is not just, I, I don't want you to think about this just as an individual, okay? Like this idea of seeing, right? Seeing the harvest and seeing what we have as a gift, like a seed. It's how we do this. It's interesting, Paul, when he writes this, he's not writing this to the individual. He's writing this to the church at Corinth. And he's wanting the church at Corinth to kind of rally behind this because there's this gift that he wants them to give that he sees them doing. And he wants them to give it out of a particular motive in mind. He's not wanting them to do this out of, right, out of obligation. Rather, he's wanting them to understand how they as a community, right, can do this together. 
When I go and do something with my resources, it's like me going over and planting a seed or two, right? right? Like a kindergartner or a first grader, and I've got my little Dixie club, you know, cup, and I'm planting one thing, right? Just like there's one thing that's going to grow. Ooh. But when we do it, we're planting a field, right? We're planting something that, to, what it does in totality is amazing in all of this. And there's something that we say around here, uh, we've said it often, and maybe you, you have or haven't heard it, but you'll hear it again. And when it comes to giving, right, the thing that we want you to think of is um, plant, and we mean this when we say plant, because we want you to think of it as seeds and not the compulsory thing, but the thing that you have that you get to invest in this place. Plant your resources where you have planted your life, right? Plant your resources where you've planted your life. That's what Paul is saying to this community. You, you are a community. This is the community that you've planted your spiritual life. You've planted your family. You've planted yourself in this beautiful place, this church. And why else wouldn't you plant your resources? It just makes sense in this. Because it's, it's what we can harvest together that becomes this beautiful thing. And I picture that harvest. I think about that harvest. And when I think about that harvest, I, I think about the example that Christ uh, left for us. You know, Jesus, in all of his ministry and everything he did, he was constantly creating this kind of unique environment in his culture. It was an environment that was just drenched in grace and compassion. It was an environment where wherever it was, right? Wherever he was out teaching, like he, he created this environment where there would be people uh, that maybe thought that they were far from God, right? For whatever reason, they, maybe, maybe it was something going on that they just felt like, you know, I don't know enough or I don't understand that. They're not my kind of people. Like, like I'm not God's kind of people. But there was something always inviting with Christ that, that even the people that thought they weren't God's kind of people could come and say, but I, I might be a Jesus kind of person because I sure do like that Jesus person. And there were people that had secrets in their past and people had failures in their past and people that look at it and just go, you know, I, God would never want me. And Jesus always created this kind of environment that had those people thinking, maybe God does want me. And they always discovered that God did want them. And when I think about us as a church, isn't that the kind of harvest that we want? Because you know what? I think every one of us, we have friends and maybe, maybe you're here for the first time and it's you and you're like, like, we all have friends and it's just like, man, I've got a friend who just thinks, I, I, I don't belong at that church. That'd never be my kind of people and I, I wouldn't connect there. Or they'd feel shame. They'd feel like, I don't think God wants me there. And it's just, wouldn't you love to keep flourishing and growing something as a church where we become the kind of church where you could invite those friends and that they would come and find that Jesus Christ really does want them, that they really can have life here? Like, we want to see that. And I always think about this. When I'm giving, I think about the seeds that I have. I want to see that grow. I like, just, I love that. Because I have friends. 
I want them to experience that, right? And Jesus gives us that picture, that model of what that is. I want our kids to experience that. I want, you know, I think about the foundation that our kids are getting even right now, right? That our kids right now, there's a foundation that they're getting weekend and week out in the ministries here. And that is Jesus is someone that you can always turn to and trust. If you're ever at a moment in your life of doubt or struggle or worry or fear, there is one place you can always turn and always trust that you are welcome and you will get help. And it is with Jesus Christ. I love that our kids are getting that message a thousand different ways as they're growing up in this place. I want them to have that foundation. I want to put seeds into that because I believe that makes me excited. I love that. I'll plant that all day long, right? Um, one last uh, thought here on this. Um, and I got this so, in just like a way you don't get other than like experiencing like a sabbatical in some way. A couple days into my sabbatical, it just hit me. I didn't have grand plans for this, but a couple days in my sabbatical, just, just kind of navigating it with God, I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to not watch or read any news on my sabbatical. I took a sabbatical from news on my sabbatical. I fasted from it. And, and other than a few moments where I caught something here or there, for, for close to eight weeks, I watched no news or anything, right? It was really nice. It was a different feeling. But it created the strangest thing this last Monday. So this last Monday was kind of my first day back in the office and getting in the swing of things. I woke up Monday morning and got my cup of coffee and, and just kind of like getting back into the routine. I thought, I'm gonna turn on the news, see what's happening in the world, right? And just didn't think anything of it. But it... And there was nothing new, so to speak. Like, like it's just the same old, same old stuff. But an eight-week absence from it, it hit me. Like, in the, like it, was a, it was like not a good moment for me. It was like a sad moment for me. I, I, just, I just became sad for where our country is right now. And it's not like it's like, whoa, did that get bad? It's just, it's like, I didn't notice like how deep the pain is, how deep the polarization is, how much vitriol there is. And just what, what we've gone through this last year and the years before, and I just felt it in a way that just hit me. But can I say this? It just, it just fueled my passion for a church and how much our country needs churches in every city, in every neighborhood that are unifiers, that, that become a place that help people get away from, right? The, just the anxiety of what people are going through and, and the divisiveness and just the anger and the hurting that's going. And to find a place where they can find comfort and peace in Jesus Christ where they can experience Christ in a refreshing way, where they can just like have their minds cooled and their souls filled up with something else. And I just thought, I love my church. Like, I love you guys in all of this. I do. Like, there's, there is a harvest and, and in some ways we get, to, we get to harvest every single week and we get to plant every single week, right? There is this beautiful thing, 
right? And, and what I love, when I get to talk about giving here with, with y'all as a church, I get to say that and not, uh, y'all are very generous. In fact, from a statistical standpoint, uh, and I don't want you to fill y'all like with pride, that it's a bad way, but I, but I want you to feel good. Statistically, you are one of the more giving churches there are out there. I really mean that. It, it is like, I, I don't teach this sermon like, oh man, I gotta get this church to be more. Y'all, y'all humble me with your generosity and your giving. It, it shows in tangible ways. But I wanna make sure that you are deriving beauty and joy and blessing out of it. And maybe old scripts that would steal some of that joy from you as you plant your seeds in this place. I hope that that gets pulled away and you find a motive and a kind of space that's cheerful and not compulsory and good. I, 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 wanna, I wanna leave just this verse and then I, I wanna, I wanna uh, I'll close in prayer here. But let me just, th- this is the verse that follows because it's kind of this faith thing that, that we get to trust in as we think about planting the seeds that God has given us. And it says this in verses eight and nine. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There is a lot of good work that you all are doing and that God has in front of us. And I hope that you get to enjoy all of that. Um, I'm gonna close this in prayer. And, but before I do, let me just say, if you're a guest here this morning, maybe it's your first or second Sunday, welcome. It's great uh, to have you uh, here. And I'm gonna be like right over here. And so you may be thinking, um, uh, nice guest speaker. Well, you can meet me right over here. I, uh, um, uh, here uh, this uh, morning, I invite you, I'd love to uh, just to shake your hand. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna uh, close this in prayer. And, and can I just say again, I just love you guys. It's so good to just be back and like with you. I just uh, thoroughly uh, enjoy that. Y'all are just, uh, you're sweet, you're sweet. Let, let me pray, let me pray. Father, I just, I thank you for this church and I thank you for their heart and their generosity. And I pray that you just keep putting a vision before us of your son, Jesus Christ, and the harvest that you have invited us to participate in and the joy that we can have just in our part of sowing and reaping in your kingdom. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.